Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Startup Operators Weekly Roundup. The Weekly Roundup is a show for people who like to stay updated with the latest developments from the Indian startup ecosystem. Last week, after a lot of deliberations, Elon Musk finally was able to acquire Twitter for $44 billion. And closer home, we had Boat, which had initially planned for its IPO later this year, has withdrawn the DRHCP papers. Along with that, we have some really interesting fundraisers uh, which were announced last week. But before diving into all of these headlines, uh, Roshan, how has the week been for you? Well, I still have a Diwali hangover, I should say. I mean, I mean your kutta definitely shows. Yeah, I'm still kind of rocking the ethnic, I would say, right? Yeah. Uh, it's an interesting week, uh, for sure. I mean, we heard news about the Tata and Airbus uh, collaboration, uh, right? 22,000 crore uh, manufacturing plant uh, supposedly coming up in Vadodara and Gujarat. Yeah. So, they will be manufacturing C-295 uh, airplanes. and you know, we've spoken about the Defense Acquisition Council and the new guidelines that they had issued in 2020-2021, right? Uh, in terms of make in India, manufacture in India, build that ecosystem and so on. Uh, this is fantastic. I mean, it's a, it's a very good development. Oddly enough, you know, at times of a crisis, who do you call? You call an Indian CEO, right? And that's what UK has done now with Rishi Sunak uh, taking over as the Prime Minister. Perhaps at uh, one of the most difficult uh, times in UK's history recently, right? Energy prices are soaring. Uh, there's a lot of discontent uh, within the country itself. So let's see how that pans out. But uh, it's another validation for Indian talent. Yeah, I mean, of course, and maybe in the next US elections as well, we might have two candidates of Indian origin. Oh, yeah. Kamala Harris and Nikki Haley, both who, are, who have Indian origins. Yeah. And then if you look at any of the big, and if you look at all these big tech companies, right, like Microsoft, Twitter, well, until recently, and all of these companies have an Indian leader uh, at the helm, right? Yeah. And I think it was back in August when Balaji Srinivasan tweeted that uh, the internet will rapidly become much more of an Indian playground, influencing ideas and moods as well as how we write and speak English. The future of intellectual spaces is to the large extent going to be Indian derived. Absolutely. I mean, so this is uh, another validation for Indian talent, right? I mean, you know, one could argue that you know, if you look at Certain folks, Rishi Sunak, for example, he is British, born and brought up in England. Certainly, you know, India can't claim credit to that. But uh, the guy still has his tradition and uh, culture very much intact, right? I mean, he celebrates Diwali and, you know, all of those things. I, I think there is something to it. You know, you, you can't uh, kind of look at it as a coincidence, right? I mean, all of those companies that you mentioned, whether it's Google, Microsoft, Adobe, Twitter, we'll talk <laughs> about, but, uh, you know, the rest of them as well, right? I mean, there is something to it that, you know, Indians can sort of thrive in a lot of ambiguity. We can form order in chaos, right? And, and we're really diligent and hardworking folks, right? So, yeah, I mean, so apart it's certainly from that, inspiring, I should say. Yeah, I mean, apart from that, I mean, if you look at one thing which is inherently common to all Indians is that whole ability to do jugaad yeah. and not just rely on, okay, big budgets and big things, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and um, okay, talking about Twitter, right? I think the way Elon announced his acquisition, that has, <laughs> has to be the... I mean, it has to go down in history, right? He just came and of course, using Twitter as a platform, which we did, the bird is free. Yeah. I mean, like, wow. And the first thing he did after joining Twitter is fire most of the senior execs. The CEO is out, the CFO is out. And well, I don't know, but have you let that sink in? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's sunk in all right. And uh, all hail uh, Lord Elon. I think nobody could have, uh, you know, made a more dramatic entry. I think in the history of uh, mergers and acquisitions, this is perhaps the uh, you know, funniest probably acquisition that's happened uh, ever, right? Uh, see, Elon has put his uh, money where his mouth is, right? In some sense, I mean, he's paid three to four times more for uh, Twitter than they're really worth. And 
you know, in, in that tweet that he put out, he said that he was doing it for humanity because he really believes that Twitter could be that public square where you can have, uh, you know, free and unfettered conversations, right, about uh, things that really matter to us. Now, I don't know how much of that you believe and uh, you could be cynical about it. Uh, and say that perhaps, I mean, he's done this so that he could protect his own distribution as well, right? I mean, certainly Twitter at 300 or 400 million users uh, minus the bots still has a phenomenal reach, uh, right? Better than any of the mainstream media outlets out there. So maybe he's doing it for, uh, you know, Tesla and for Starlink and for the other businesses. But maybe, I mean, you can call me naive, but I think he's probably done this for idealistic reasons as well, right? And... Uh, we're seeing the first signs of that, right? I mean, he spoke about a content moderation council that he will set up and uh, bringing back, you know, banned accounts. Uh, I'm certainly looking forward to, you know, Donald Trump being back on uh, Twitter, right? Uh, we're going to see a lot of curfefe or whatever again on the timeline. Very interesting development, you know, I mean, and I look at it as a win-win-win for everyone around, you know. Uh, it's a win for Elon. He gets to do what he wants uh, right now with uh, Twitter. Right. It's a win for even the folks who were fired. Parag Agarwal, I mean, I think makes about 40 million or something now as severance. Vijaya Gadde makes, uh, I think, uh, who's the chief of policy who got fired, makes around 40, 50 million. And the CFO, Ned Sager, also makes a similar amount, about 40 million or so. Uh, right. And from our perspective, hey, I mean, we get to, again, live a very free and unhindered sort of a platform. Right. Because I think over the last, you know, one or two years, especially, I think Twitter had gotten really egregious with their very arbitrary and discretionary policies on banning, muting uh, and stuff, right? I mean, look at, uh, you know, some of the channels that we run as well. The tweets are up, the engagement is up, the mentions are up, but, you know, the followers are not rising proportionately. Forget about proportionately, I mean, it's almost muted, right? right. And there is little to no recourse for any of the content creators on the platform. You know, one, one of the folks had uh, tweeted to Elon saying that they should incentivize content creators to uh, put out content on the platform. And he had said that that's a great idea, right? And, and again, I mean, if you look at it, you know, probably 5% of the folks on the platform create all of the valuable content. 5% is an exaggeration. It's probably 1%, right? Uh, and those folks should have an incentive to do that. YouTube has uh, shown can, what can happen when you incentivize creators, right? You I mean, they have YouTube, that whole meta. creator ecosystem uh, as well. Yeah. So definitely, you know, interesting times ahead. Uh, I really like the stunt that those two guys pulled, you know, uh, Mr. Rahul Ligma and Mr. Daniel Johnson, right? Uh, so, I mean, again... Yeah, they, they trolled the entire internet at one go. Absolutely. I mean, Ligma, Ligma Johnson forever, seriously, right? So, for those of you who don't get that reference, just uh, Google Ligma Johnson and you will be, uh, you know, you'll be amazed what... Uh, the mainstream media will believe as long as you know it suits their narrative but fantastic and and rahul ligma is an indian guy right uh, he you can follow him at, at zero interest rates that zero as in the number zero interest rates pretty interesting guy right i mean he's got up to about 8000 plus followers i was just checking his timeline and overall very funny guy as well he will be on a couple of uh, podcasts uh, for sure so i'm really looking forward to you know his explaining how they came up with this whole prank and everything but man that was hilarious <laughs> And also another interesting thing you have to notice right now, all all of the world's richest people, they own some sort of a media company, right? I mean, Warren Buffet owns... That is the template, right? I mean, yeah. you know, if you look at, uh, I don't know, whether it's uh, uh, Ambani, Adani or Carlos Slim uh, perhaps owns a bunch of stations in uh, Mexico, right? In the US as well, uh, you know, Washington Post is owned by uh, Jeff Bezos uh, and Elon owns uh, Twitter, you know? Okay. So, yeah. 
All right, and uh, closer home, we had both that had filed the DRHCB papers to go IPO sometime this year, and this was way back in January 26. Recently, they withdraw their filing, and instead of raising funds for an IPO, they raised uh, 500 crore rupees from its existing uh, investors. In one of the press releases, it was mentioned that the reason for withdrawing the IPO is that market conditions are choppy, right? And with this, Boat is not the only company that has. you know changed its ipo plans we had pharmacies parent company api holdings and then we had drum technologies who likewise had withdrawn the drhcb papers now of course a major reason for this could be the drop in valuation which we're seeing in today's listed tech companies there is increased regulatory scrutiny and of course the poor investor sentiment right and with all this us is heading into a recession and um, we are seeing the other global uh, headwinds which are you know currently underway So, do you think startups will defer all of their IPO plans for maybe at least a year or two? I think so. I mean, it seems more or less uh, likely at this point of time, right? I mean, we've talked about the Fed uh, hiking rates in uh, February, which is expected to be again bigger than the last one, right? So, obviously, the macro environment is going to be less than ideal. Both plan to raise, I think, about two thousand crores through IPO. They've raised about five hundred crores from their existing investors, like Warburg, Pincus, and so on. It's pretty sad. I mean, that's the way it is. You know, I mean, uh, I think Traction listed, I think, a week back or week or ten days back, they're down about fifteen percent. So I don't think anyone will take a chance in this kind of a market. And I, I don't know about Pharmacy and uh, and the others. Pharmacy is still bleeding a lot of money. I I don't know about Drum specifically, but. Boat is uh, profitable, right? I mean, boat. Uh, I think if I remember correctly, the FY21 numbers were around 1500 crores of revenue and around around 7580 crores of profit. And so they don't really have to list at this point of time, you know. And uh, so maybe they will wait it out, maybe a year or so, uh, right? Probably consider maybe 23 end or maybe 24 to list on the markets. It's an interesting time, uh, you know. Entrepreneurs will have to bite this time through. Uh, and boat is such a fantastic story right i mean they char- started by making you know charging cables and since then have grown to be the consumer internet brand in india it's right? the second largest um, it has the second largest market share for audio devices in the world that's amazing that's that's just amazing really uh, you know we talk about manufacturing uh, in india and so on uh, of course i mean boat started with uh, you know importing stuff from china and then you know branding it and uh, selling it here but i mean since then i mean they've Pivoted some of their design and manufacturing capabilities to India as well, right? So I'm rooting for them, and their uh, uh, co-founder Aman is a lot of fun to watch on TV as well. So yeah, let's uh, let's hope for the best. So not only I mean we are seeing headwinds in the public markets, but even the edtech sector has is really going through some tough times. We have seen the likes of Baidu's laying off people in the hope to optimize and increase their profitability. And last week, employees from the Thiruvananthapuram office. of uh, byju's have alleged that they are being pressurized to resign for more than a week and the company management has now offered them a transfer option only because the issue was highlighted in the media some of these employees had met state labor minister v sivan kutti to seek compensation following which the company management which had not issued any official communication to the employees until then suddenly offered them a transfer option and apparently the uh, in a screenshot of the email this transfer option is to the bangalore offices where earlier they had you know fired employees in the past without any communication now this is becoming a huge issue right just because the number of people that are being affected by this and earlier we have had talks of you know some sort of regulation within the edtech space but no further update has come from there how do you think this will pan out in the next few months this is going to be a huge problem right obviously you know i mean byju's an academy a bunch of these folks hired uh, people by the truckloads in 2021 and now they are having to realign some of their business 
uh, focus on profitability and and these are hard choices right let's face it it's definitely a hard choice uh, to let go of people i only hope they do it in a manner that is you know amenable and kind to everyone involved you know kerala is obviously a communist uh, government right i mean and famous for unionizing on wide wide variety of things i mean at least this calls for good reason to unionize so i'd rather that you know the company leadership uh, takes matters into the hands and uh, does something to solve this than you know have some kind of a regulation right that's always better i would say so so let's see how this pans out but yeah i mean this is going to be a, a tough time for edtech i would say also last week there is this interesting phenomenon where the amount of capital which was raised via debt funding was considerably higher than the money raised through vc routes right mm-hmm. and um, the venture date raised by indian startups stood at 170 million dollars vis-a-vis 114 million dollars raised through vcs and uh, the debt funds were raised were led by uran and northern arc capital one of the major fundraisers was by a seed stage company called mason that raised a 7 and a half million dollar round and this funding round was led by axel and idea spring capital along with other investors mason allows sellers to have the d2c storefront ready with a 50% uplift in their margins from day one and this is largely to circumvent the high commissions charged by the likes of amazon and flipkart right i mean we are seeing conversations uh, from last week where cci issued the statement against google and their malpractices against the indian developer ecosystem and now i mean at least now the story is being highlighted of of companies like mason that are trying to circumvent amazon so what do you make of this yeah mason is a very interesting story right we had cos uh, who's their co-founder sometime back uh, on the podcast and she's been a maker all her life i mean she has built application solutions for a while and what they're trying to do with uh, mason is basically help shop owners customize their front end uh, you know so this could be through uh, you know the shopify stores that they have or you know whatever else right and that has a huge uptick in terms of revenue retention conversions uh, and so on right and i love that you know there is this whole enabling ecosystem infrastructure uh, for you know all of these businesses right whether it is d2 d2c or whoever else on the e-commerce side of things see i've said this before that you know there will be an active amazon plus sort of a wave in india uh, for e-commerce and you're seeing plenty of that right i mean whether it is social commerce uh, with you know the likes of dealshare or misho and so on or uh, you know the whole d2c phenomena itself where people are marketing their own storefronts right so i think people will look beyond marketplaces and uh, probably balance both out right i mean mm-hmm. i think a lot of people i know i mean do both right and it's good that you know there are all of these plugins products for these folks to uh, you know really do well so, so if you haven't already do check out the episode we did with cos uh, sometime back uh, she spoke really well about uh, working with these e-commerce shop owners and solving their problems and so on so yeah Uh, we'll link to it in the description yeah and in this conversation we have not even factored out the effect platforms like ondc will have mm. right exactly. and and not only ondc the government government itself also has been like so proactive in enabling this ecosystem for example it was only yesterday i was watching this think school video on uttar pradesh's one district one product model by chief minister yogi adityanath under this scheme every district will have one export quality product which is indigenous to that area the example which uh, was shown in think school was this whole kala namak rice which is found in one district of up and that has a lot of health benefits now under this one district one product initiative farmers or you know the small scale entrepreneurs are going to get support in terms of tech in terms of marketing through fairs and trades organizations which will give a huge boost mm-hmm. and now here we have the startup ecosystem actually providing a storefront 
for them to directly put on these shops online and sell it directly uh, i think that's a fantastic. huge enabling factor yeah see up and bihar uh, i mean are are two of those states that have massive potential you know uh, people are very enterprising and uh, you know these are some of the more populous uh, states in uh, the country right and if india has to develop i think up and bihar and you know the adjoining states have to develop uh, and uh, the chief minister yogi adityanath has done a fantastic job in developing infrastructure and bringing out these schemes as well so let's hope that uh, there's more business and more economic development comes out of these regions yeah and in other fundraise announcements we have kinara capital which is a fintech lender has raised close to 24 million dollars from british international investment uh, newvin and the asn microcredit fund deftron which is a gurgaon headquartered open source devops platform has raised 12 million dollars from inside partners yo capital and angel investors and cybersecurity startup blue sapphire cyber systems has raised 9.2 million dollars from bearings in their dallas venture capitals and others now while of course in twitter there has been multiple you know number of trending topics out there but to touch base from last week snehil khanor who is the co-founder and ceo of truly madly and someone we have had in the podcast earlier put out a very interesting tweet comparing uh, cci's judgment to govardhan puja His tweet reads, CCI just saved India from getting trapped under digital colonialism. On the auspicious day of Govardhan Puja, much like how Lord Krishna lifted Govardhan Parvat to save the entire village from heavy rainfall bestowed upon them by arrogant Lord Indra. <laughs> that's, that's some analogy. But yeah. yeah, while the CCI has made, has, has announced its verdict and imposed the fines on Google, what remains to be seen is how much Google acts on it. Because we have seen in other countries that they have a way of getting around rules. Yeah, I mean, they will obviously fight a tooth and nail. Uh, and, you know, interestingly, you know, Aviral Bhatnagar had said, you know, this is probably they will budget it as cost of acquisition. But, you know, it's good. It's good. I mean, I think uh, CCI should definitely get its act together, has got its act together and should, uh, you know, impose some kind of uh, penalties on uh, the arbitrary actions of uh, some of these folks, right? Whether it's Google, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon and so on. Certainly, you know, I mean, we have the heft right now. I mean, we uh, have... 600 million internet users uh, perhaps the largest developer ecosystem in the world so we should have better negotiating chips right i mean we should sit at the table and negotiate with these uh, folks and that's really what uh, i think some of the policy folks have realized right um, you know why are we you know beholden to some company based uh, out of the cayman island or you know ireland or whatever that is making these uh, arbitrary kind of rules right yeah i mean i really hope that you know some more sense prevails and we solve this through innovation rather than regulation but if not that i mean they should uh, definitely be uh, drawn to the table by one way or another you know in, in the podcast we have had many founders who have come and they have actively voiced their concerns over google's practices right i yeah. think we should get some comments from them and folks i mean if you also want to join this conversation do tag us our twitter handle is at @operator startup Roshan, now before we end this episode, why don't you take us to some of the conversations you have lined up for this week? A couple of very interesting episodes coming up uh, this week. You know, last week we wanted to put out this uh, episode with uh, Varun Khurana, who is the co-founder of Crow Farm. Some of you may know their consumer service called OTP. They basically make this fresh produce demand-driven. They're working with uh, farmers, FPOs, farmer produce organizations, and so on to optimize their entire you know supply chain through. Uh, 
you know, predictive algorithms and all of those kinds of innovations. I spoke to him about building in this whole agri-tech space, what it takes. Uh, and and he's a, a serial entrepreneur as well, you know, and he had a lot of good wisdom to share on that. Certainly some kind of a primer on how to operate in the agri-tech space. And you can learn from it even otherwise. So yeah, look out for that episode. Then we have uh, one of the most uh, successful SaaS entrepreneurs uh, in the ecosystem, Anand Jain, who runs uh, CleverTap, right? He's a co-founder of CleverTap. CleverTap is almost tending towards, I think, $100 million ARR right now, which is a phenomenal achievement. And uh, I would love to understand you know, more about what are the kind of playbooks, right? I mean, how do you go from 0 to 1 to 10 to 25 to 100? Certainly, it will be interesting to talk to him about those aspects, you know, how to hire, how to enable various aspects of product, marketing, and so on, right? So very interesting conversations lined up. Let us know if you think that we should host any particular founder or operator on the podcast. I'd love to you know, get them on the podcast. Well, yeah, and you can let us know your questions through LinkedIn or uh, Twitter. On LinkedIn, we are the startup operator and on Twitter is at operator startup. Apart from that, folks, if you enjoyed this conversation, do rate us on your favorite podcast platform app as that will help our visibility increase and more people like you will be able to discover our content. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our channel on YouTube and we'll be back with more updates from the Indian startup ecosystem next week. Have a great week and see you again. See you guys.